All right, turn with me to Acts 24. We are in the final couple months of our Book of Acts series, and I'm so grateful to Pastor Jordan Smalley and Pastor Bo preaching the last couple weekends. Come on at Austin P. Just thank your pastor there, Pastor Jordan. And Pastor Bo's doing, uh, did a great job. Apparently he and I are gonna work on a concert idea, I guess, you know, a rapper concert. And so uh, I'll, I'll beatbox while he freestyles. Apparently he's terrible at freestyling. He confessed that and uh, I can tell you it's true. It's true, totally true. Um, today I wanna preach through a, a message in Acts 24 and we're gonna look at an entire chapter of Acts 24. Part of it is because the nature of the narrative reality of the book of Acts at this point, and we're just four chapters from the end now, uh, but since you brought your Bibles, turn to Acts 24. I've, t- I've titled the message, How to Stand Strong in Difficult Times. Some of you know the world is getting harder, it feels like, it's getting tougher, and, and uh, it's not just the culture and the society. I mean, even know there's hard times at home, hard times at work, difficult seasons of our lives. Am I right, everybody? I remember as a, um, as a, a brand new Christian, I was dead set determined. I gave my life to Jesus on a, I think it was a Thursday or Friday night, and I was dead set. I'm going to give my life to God, and I'm all in, and I'm not changing. I mean, but the problem was the day before, I had a friend group that wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, I had a squad. We were heavy into partying and doing that whole world and that life, and all of a sudden, uh, I'm, I'm really dedicated to living for God, but now my whole friend group was not. I had just given my life to Christ and all of a sudden I felt the first pain of loneliness. I, I went to church alone that Sunday. I read a new Bible. I just, I actually, I had a Bible that a girl gave me who dumped me because I wasn't saved. She was like, I really need to date a boy in church. I was like, what's his name? I'll kill him. You know, and she's like, she said, no, just in general, I need a Christian boyfriend. So I pulled that old Bible off the shelf. It's the best gift she ever gave me. I started reading this Bible. I had no idea what I was reading, no idea where to start. I went to church alone, I read my Bible alone, I understood nothing, and I'm, now I'm starting to live with convictions and, and desires to follow God, but no one around me shared these convictions, not my family, not my friends, and I was the odd, goofy, tall, new kid at church that kept showing up every time the doors were open. I remember as a young Christian in college, feeling the pain of wanting to walk with God, but feeling totally isolated. I, I lived with thousands of students on campus at the University of Tennessee, but learning how to obey God's word, listen to his voice, seek his face in prayer, commit to him in an in a, in a ocean of people with other commitments. I remember on my floor in my freshman year of college, there was one other guy that had a confession that he was a follower of Jesus, like went to church, but he was in the brand of Christian that was real mean and like judgy and holiness kind of things, you know, and I just wasn't holy enough for him. I guess I was too new, you know what I'm saying? And so even the Christian guy didn't want to hang out with me. That was sad, but challenging time, but a precious time. Man, I don't know that I'd be the man that I am now with God if I hadn't walked through this season of walking with and standing for God alone. I remember as a young pastor at 30, the long times of prayer that I'd spend with God alone in this building. I worked alone with God for two years in this building. I remember thinking if I got mugged or, or murdered in this office, it'd be 5.30 before my wife even thought about it. Where's my husband? Well, I've been dead and stinking for six hours in the building. You know what I'm saying? Like just alone, that's really morbid thought. They couldn't really take me, y'all. Come on now, just. <clears throat> but I remember long prayers to God alone for the financing of this church and God bring people to grow this church and, and Lord, we're gonna, we're gonna take risks and we're gonna do impossible things and man, just feeling like there was a small core of people that were believing with me. Some of them were like, good luck, dummy. You know, like it was, but just believe in God. 
and standing for the Lord and standing for righteousness and the scripture. And, and I just, in this journey with Jesus, and I'm not special, all of you should have this kind of story in your life with God of how to, how to go against the culture, how to go against the grain, how to stand for God when it's tough, how to trust God in new seasons, lean into God when days are difficult, choosing to stand strong for the Lord when it's just easier to compromise. It's easier to go with the flow of culture. It's easier to follow the trends of politics and culture and TikTok than to stand alone for Jesus when no one else is. All of you have had times like this. You know what I'm talking about? When, 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 when you're the only one to stand up for someone who's being taken advantage by everyone else. When you're the one doing the right thing at work, when it's easier to lie or cheat the system and hey, everybody's doing this. You know the feeling when you wanna serve your neighbor and do a good deed, even when you know that neighbor would never do the same thing for you. But have you ever faced standing strong for God when the pressure's really on? I'm not talking about like just alone in Christianity, or I'm not talking about just like, hey, I'm, I'm opposed to the, the latest you know, decisions of the Supreme Court. I'm talking about when it's really hard. When you're gonna be isolated from people, when you're gonna be under pressure and, and like your physical body is under threat. I've recently started trying to watch a documentary. I don't even recommend it for all of you to watch it. It's called Sheep Among Wolves. It's about the underground church in Iran and how the church in Iran is exploding. Like it's growing so fast. People are getting saved, 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 overwhelmingly filled with the spirit, just on fire for God, but they have to do it in secret because they're being killed very rapidly. We have helped plant churches in Western Africa where the pastors have been martyred for their faith in Jesus. Did you know that? I mean, are we willing to stand for that? I'm on this video, on this documentary, the opening scene, do you remember eight years ago, the, the 12 Coptic Christians who were led out on the beach in orange jumpsuits and put down on their knees? It made national news, it was on YouTube, it was public execution because of their faith in Jesus. I'm watching things like this and I go, man, being alone in a dorm room is not nearly as hard as that. Standing up against family pressure or political pressure in the US from the comfort of my iPhone is not nearly as hard as that. And I grieve about the story of modern day martyrs and historical martyrs, and then I ask questions, could I stand like that when it's that hard? And I think part of, God forbid any of us ever have to go there, but how many of you know our world's getting tougher and tougher to be a follower of Jesus? I read an article this week where the FBI has written a paper suggesting that the Catholic Church in America is a domestic terrorist because of their views on traditional marriage and the veracity of scripture. The Catholic Church in America is being looked at by the FBI in America as domestic terrorists because they've just not changed their theology to fit the cultural trends. That's a crazy reality, y'all. There is a day when the pressure will be hot and it'll be really hard. Are we able to stand in that day and who are you this day in order to prepare for that day? How do you stand tough, stand strong in tough times? Well, Paul is in a very tough situation. He's been arrested and not let go, brought before multiple trials, multiple trials, multiple trials, and now he's on like his fourth trial, this time to the governor. Imagine your case being elevated all the way to the governor of your state. It started out as an argument in your neighborhood, then it went to the HOA. <laughs> Could you imagine that trial? Talk about a kangaroo court, you know what I'm saying? And it goes from there to maybe the police are called and you go to a local judge, then you appeal it to the appellate court system all the way to the Supreme Court. I mean, Paul is now climbing the ladder of these false accusations and he's under extreme pressure to recant and to bow the knee to the cultural whims. 
But Paul stands strong under difficult times, literally beaten within an inch of his life multiple times. When they arrest him, they beat the fire out of him, then they try him, and then taking him back to prison. You've seen it over and over in the book of Acts. They just beat him on the way to jail. In fact, the, the, the Roman soldiers have to protect Paul multiple times from the religious people trying to beat the fire out of him. What kind of church is that? I don't know what dream team you get on at the Sanhedrin to be the beaten prophets guy. I got served in the parking lot. I got all the camels out here. I'm on the praise team with my harp. Oh man, I'm on the beat prophets team. Could you imagine? Check out my brass knuckles, y'all. This is awesome. 40 people we saw last week took a blood oath. Religious leaders, 40 people took a blood oath and they said, I won't eat or drink until we murder Paul for preaching the gospel. Could I stand in times like that? These are questions I'm asking as I read the story of the Apostle Paul. As we continue in the book of Acts, we pick up with his trial before Felix, the governor. And he's being held before a high court, falsely accused again, and being threatened with death. I'm telling you guys, there will be layers and measures of difficulty for you, but I'm challenging you as a church to decide today I'm gonna stand strong for Jesus. I'm gonna stand strong for God. I'm gonna stand on morality. I'm gonna stand on scripture no matter what difficulties come my way. If Paul can do it, the same spirit that's in him is the same Holy Spirit that's in you. So what characteristics do we see from the Apostle Paul as we watch him on trial? The first one is, don't ever let others decide your level of dedication to Jesus. Don't let others decide your level of devotion to Jesus. Watch this now. We pick up in Acts 24. We saw last week the hitmen trying to kill Paul and Pastor Bo did a great job with that text. Now after five days, the high priest Ananias, also named in the murder and crucifixion of Jesus, by the way, this guy's been around a while. The high priest Ananias came down with some elders. That was Caiaphas actually, Never mind. forget that. He, the high priest Ananias came down with some of the elders of the church. So, so he's coming with a squad. Ananias and his crew of elders have come down and they bring a spokesman, a man named Tertullus, Tertullus, and they laid before the governor their case against Paul. Felix is the governor. And when he had summoned Tertullus, the governor had summoned Tertullus, began to accuse Paul, and he said this. Now watch the brown nosing. Anybody know what that is? Don't Google it. So Tertullus says to Felix, since through you we enjoy much, much peace. Not through God, not, no. Governor, since through you we enjoy all this peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix... Uh, reforms are being made for our whole nation in every way and in everywhere. We accept everything you're doing with all gratitude. Do y'all see the flattery and the brown nosing and the rubbing up? Y'all hear, y'all see this? Listen to me. There's something toxic about when religious leaders try to find peace and brown nosing with the politics. I'm just telling you, like we have to be careful, like serve your country, vote faithfully. But don't think that the nation is what brings us peace. It's God Almighty that brings us peace. And this feels gross. This is simply brown-nosing, trying to get Felix to murder their guy for them. Be on the lookout for that. Like, I love our nation. I should be president. I'm telling you, I could do it. I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I'm just saying I like a different bath better. And it's the bath of the kingdom of God where Jesus reigns. This feels gross. So they're trying to just trying to butter him up. Oh, most excellent Felix. They don't like this guy. The truth is life under Roman oppression was awful. Him making a better nation, that's garbage. He made a horrible nation. The Roman occupation was terrible. 
But this group of religious leaders, listen, I don't care what your clerical collar is on you, that doesn't make you godly. It's God in you that makes you godly. And this group of religious leaders were not very godly. Beware of that same thing today. Can I tell you how many times over the years people have qualified their crazy with, well, my grandfather's a pastor. Oh, now I'm talking about somebody in another service. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about, right? Well, I grew up in church. That doesn't give you a right to be foolish. Beware of that. Be mindful of that. And listen, pray for your nation. Pray for those who govern. But don't get in bed with them thinking that's where we find peace. The church brings peace. You know what I'm saying? Y'all hear what I'm, okay, I'm not dissing. Well, listen, I love our mayors, our governors. We love that. We love our politicians. We pray for them. But we're going to stay in the lane that Christ is king of this kingdom. And just because somebody is a religious leader doesn't make them godly on the inside. So beware of that, first of all. And it's interesting, watch what happens, verse four. So detain you, to detain you no, no further. In other words, they're saying, hey, we don't wanna waste your time, Felix. But I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. Now, this is a religious squabble. It's a religious difference. And they brought it all the way up to the governor. Anybody else feel like this is just a waste of time? You know what I know that politicians feel about the church? Please, bless our community, serve the community. The last thing politicians wanna do is like get in the weeds on church fights. You do know that, right? Like, so we don't wanna bother you for too long, but hey, since we're here, uh, for, we, thank you for your kindness to hear us. We have found this man, now here's Paul standing over there, hadn't said a word, got shackles on his hands and wrists and his feet. This man we found to be a plague. That's harsh. He stirs up riots among all the Jews. You ever know people who exaggerate? Anyway, all the Jews throughout the whole world. And look at this, what they say of him. He's a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Now, you don't know this from the English, but in the, in the original language, this word means heresy. It's like heresy cult. And, and listen, in, in the Roman world, like Caesar is God, Caesar is king. So to say he's creating a heresy cult against Caesar is worthy of death. So they're, they're positioning and they're posturing against Paul, but they're lying. <laughs> Look, he's a plague. He stirs up riots. Go read your Bible. He ain't stirred up one riot. He ain't been out there on the picket lines like recruiting rioters, not one time. Among all the Jews, most Jews don't even like this dude. They're certainly not following him into riots. Throughout the whole world, he's a ringleader of this heresy cult of the Nazarenes. By the way, the Nazarenes was one of the titles given to people who followed Jesus who was from Nazareth. That's where that term comes from. He even, look at this, he even tried to profane the temple. And this is again the, the political guy going, that's not my jurisdiction. They say he profaned the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, you'll be able to find out from him everything that we've just accused him of. In other words, they're saying, just examine him yourself. You'll find everything we've said is true. Isn't it funny how people wanna make their case by telling you what to believe? But don't let anyone determine your level of devotion to Jesus. The Jews also joined in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. What's interesting to me about this text is how powerful a mob can be with a lie. How powerful people can just jump on the bandwagon of the latest conspiracy or the latest lie. And listen, it's easier to go with the crowd in a lie than to stand alone for the truth. 
But I'm here to tell you, our whole culture is heading headlong into a lot of deceptions, but it is always better for you to say, I'm not gonna let culture determine the lies that I follow. I'm gonna let Jesus determine the truth that I live by. Do not let the crowd lead you away from truth about who Jesus is. Everybody was going along with these false accusations against Paul, and literally nothing they said was true. You would think somebody would be standing in the crowd going, I don't think that's really what happened. Have y'all really thought of it? That's not true. Nobody, the whole mob is against Paul, who stands there silently, not making his case. Can I just tell you, no matter how many people agree against the Lord, even if you have to stand alone for God and walk away from the crowd, stand with God. There are plenty of people who will live their lives apart from Jesus. Jesus said it like this, broad is the path and easy is the way that leads to destruction. And then he said, and many people enter into it. One of the temptations I've watched over the last two years, three years really since the pandemic and all the stuff that we've been dealing with socially is it's just so much easier to go with the crowd than to stand alone for something that you believe in. And even in the matters of faith and and truth about Jesus, our culture is drifting from even what scripture has taught for centuries and what we believed about God and family and church and all of that. It's easier to just drift and go, well, you know, times are changing. But I would encourage you, listen to me, write this down. Stand alone with God before you walk away from God in a crowd. Don't let anyone else determine your level of devotion. And by the way, Paul is standing there and you would think after multiple beatings and imprisonments and being tried unjustly and, and over time, they're still bringing the same accusations. <clears throat> you wonder if Paul would finally be like, you know what, fine, they're right, I did it. I'm tired of getting beat, I'm tired of all of this. I'd rather just die and go to heaven or just live out my life in prison. But Paul never did that either. Don't give in and let others determine your level of devotion to the Lord. Can I hear an amen, everybody? The second thing, if we're gonna stand strong in tough times, is you gotta know it's easy to defend when you're living right. Hello? Has anybody heard like drama at work and you're like, oh my gosh, am I involved in that? Was I part of uh, uh, No, I wasn't. <laughs> Great day for me. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you realize you're not in the heat of the drama, it feels so good, doesn't it? <clears throat> anybody else got a dramatic life besides my wife and me? Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's easy to defend a life well lived before God. And the Apostle Paul standing there, this is now his fourth trial. By the way, there's a lot that parallels with Jesus, him tried at various levels, right? And now Paul being tried at various courts. But watch what happens. So the governor hears this brown-nosing group of religious leaders. And in verse 10 it says, and when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul, so he doesn't even say anything. Now you, sir, he just nods at him. What you got? Anybody good at the old head nod greeting? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Fellas, y'all know what I'm talking about. You ever just walk by somebody and you just go, that's enough. That says everything, man. I like your shoes. Good to see you. Don't talk right now, but I see you. You know what I'm saying? Some guys are head up nodders. Some guys are head down nodders. It's like the, the, like, the, the young adult head nod and then the cowboy nod. I'm not a down nodder. I'm an up nodder. A lot of y'all cowboy hat wearing folks around here now. I don't know where that came from. Yellowstone's had a huge impact on all you cowboy. Y'all don't even have cows or... Many of you ain't even got boys, you know what I'm saying? You got daughters, you're just cowboying it up. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about though? There's the head up, what's up man? That's me, what's up? And then there's a brother, partner, brother? Anyway, <laughs> Felix, 
gives Paul the nod. It's all, just stay in the text, people. <laughs> Felix gives him the head nod. And watch this. Paul replies. I love his simple reply. He goes, hey, you've been the judge for a long time, which is basically saying, these fools are babies. You're the wise one. I love that. I think Paul is just so strategic in his words. He says, hey, knowing for many years you've been a judge over this nation, watch what he says. I cheerfully make my defense. How many of you know it's easy to defend when you're living right? When you know, nope, I didn't, I didn't flirt with her. Nope, I didn't take that money. Nope, I didn't lie on my reports. Nope, hey, I'll gladly. I remember uh, years ago I, I had, this is back in another state, and somebody had falsely accused me of something, and I had it all documented. <laughs> and they falsely accused me to another group of people, and I was like, hey, no problem. I'll set a meeting with all of them and show them everything I showed you. And the friend of this guy who had accused me, he's like, you know what, maybe we don't need to do the meetings right now. I was like, no, 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 I think we do. I'm just an eight on the Enneagram, which is the best, and uh, I'm a D on the disc, so I'm a challenge. You come at me, let's go. I'll gladly defend. Because when you're living right, and I don't always, right, Steph? <laughs> but when you're living right, it's easy to defend that. When you've got character, when you've got a heart before God that's honest, it's easy to defend that. Can I challenge all of you to just live right all the time? I didn't say live perfect, just live under Jesus all the time. Let him be the Lord of your whole life. It's easy to defend. Now, I'm just gonna read through this quickly because I got a lot to say in 10 minutes before your kids get rowdy. But watch what he says. Paul says, yeah, I'll gladly give my defense. And then he starts with their accusations. Uh, you can verify that it's not more than 12 days since I went up to worship. They're like, he's been stirring up riots forever. Yeah, I've been in town 12 days. And you can easily verify that. They didn't find me disputing with anyone or stirring up anyone. Imagine the crowd, they're over here going, ah, Paul's doing all these riots and he's terrible ringleader. And Paul's over there like, sure, I'll tell you what really happened. And he just one at a time. Yeah, I've only been here 12 days. Uh, I never stirred up any disputes or stirring up a crowd. He said, I never did it in the temple, in the synagogue, even in the city. I didn't do it in private spaces. I didn't do it in big spaces. I didn't do it in your town, Felix. Neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me, which if they had something to say, they'd go, yes, we can. I object. They say nothing. Why? Because it's hard to keep lying to cover more lies. I don't know what life you want to live, but I want to live a life of honesty because it's just easier that way. Right, everybody? Look at the next verse. He says, but this I confess to you. Now he's talking to Felix, which I think is amazing. Paul, he goes, look, they're crazy, but let me tell you about Jesus. I mean, for Paul, he doesn't find fear with the judge, with the governor. He says, let me share my confession with you. That according to the way, which they call a sect, this is apparent that I put in the parentheses, right? He says, according to the way, which was a first century name for the way of Jesus, those who followed Jesus Christ, he said, according to the way of faith that we carry, which they're calling a heresy cult, which again to Felix, he's like, it's not a heresy cult. According to the way of Jesus, I worship, now watch Paul's brilliance with this crowd of religious Jewish leaders. He goes, I worship the God of our fathers. And I'm bringing everything laid down by the law and prophets they read. This is so baller. Are y'all seeing Paul? He's such a stud. He said, I'm just worshiping the God of our fathers that we've read about in Isaiah and Psalms and in the book of Genesis, Exodus. He goes, I'm just worshiping the God we've preached about. The God of our fathers, I'm believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. 
I'm just having a hope in God, look at this, which these men themselves accept. That's just stout. Paul's literally saying, the hope I have is a hope you guys should have. Like, we've all believed, I was a Pharisee too, I was a Jew, I, I knew all of this theology, I've just come to believe that Jesus is the fulfillment of it. He goes, this is a, this is a hope that you guys have accepted, that they've believed one day would be a Messiah, that there would be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience. This is Paul going, I'm gonna live right. I'll cheerily make a defense. He says, I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards God and man. Can I encourage all of you to live your life honestly before Jesus and before people? Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a Christian on Sunday and a hellion on Tuesday. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like make it an aim of yours. He said, I take great pain to make sure that I live a convicted life, an honest life, not only before God, but before others. Amen to that. That'll preach all day. And now after several years, this is Paul saying, I haven't been up here stirring up drama. He goes, after several years of being gone, look what he says. I'm bringing alms, gifts of generosity to my nation, Felix. Hello, I'm doing this for the country. And to present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me pure, purified in the temple. I didn't have a crowd around me. I was stirring up no tumult. That's a word we need to bring back. Tumult. So here's Paul defending, like, I've, listen, guys, I've lived honestly according to our faith. I've done it publicly, and I'm coming with generosity and worship and alms before God. You found me not in some covert cave out there, you know, wrestling up some underground group of rebels. I was in the temple. I'd even washed my hands and feet before prayer. Are y'all hearing this? Just how he's going, I've lived this honestly before you guys. And then he says, but some Jews from Asia, this is back in Acts 21 or two, this group of Asian Jews had come and followed him to Jerusalem. He said, they ought to be here and make the accusation should they have anything against me. He says, or else let these men themselves say, what wrongdoing have they found when I stood before the council? Other than this one thing I cried out while staying among them. Here's the one thing I said that got them all mad. It's with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial before you this day. And here's him, him confessing, he goes, that's the center of our faith. We've believed it as a people forever. And the one thing they're mad about is now I'm confessing Jesus raised from the dead. That's what he's saying. I just love the simplicity and the cheerful nature in which G Paul answers his accusers. He's respectful, he's clear, he tells Felix nothing they've said is true, he gives him opportunity to confront it, they say nothing. And he stands in front of this deceitful mob giving clarity almost daring them to bring proof. You know why? Because they're liars. And why would he do that? Because you and I can stand strong for God when we're living for God all the time. We can stand before our accusers. We can stand in tough times knowing that, hey, I'm living right before God. I'm doing my best to obey the scripture and I'm certainly doing it before God and before people. If you and I will just commit, listen to me, life point. If we will commit, I'm trying to have my eyebrows up for you. If you will commit to living your life right before God and before people, that's not what saves you, it's because you're saved. If you'll live before God and before people, it doesn't matter that you, you'll still probably face difficulty, but you'll stand in the midst of those times. We sang it today, this morning, I'm building my life on you, God. You can defend easily an honest life. 
In fact, there's nothing wrong with living a life devoted to Jesus. Paul would say the fruit of the Spirit looks like love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And he said there's never anything wrong with that. Part of standing strong in tough times is don't let others decide your level of devotion. Remember, it's easy to defend a life when you're living right. And finally, this is, and I just want to, it's like an axiom, write it down. I think it's favor with God, favor with people follows faithfulness. Listen, how many of you want God's favor on your life? Why would he give it to faith, non-faithful people? How many of you want favor with your boss and with your employers and your neighbors and your HOA and you want favor with government? Anybody? Then live faithful before God. Here, here's the thing. I don't want to make this like a, a formula. If you just live a certain way, then all your wildest dreams come true. Listen, you'll still face problems and, and issues, but you'll walk through them with the favor of God on your life. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, he says this, we have been afflicted in every way, but never crushed. We've been perplexed, but never driven to despair. We've been persecuted, never forsaken by God. We've been struck down, but never destroyed. Why? Because man, we are faithful to God and his favor follows faithfulness. Listen, some people say, well, favor ain't fair. It may not be, but it's available. And here's how you get favor from God. Listen, favor is God's gift to you. Faithfulness is your gift to God. If you want God's favor on your life, be faithful to God. If you want favor with people in your job and in your family around, be faithful and a a witness of God around them. Why would anyone promote a a non-faithful person? Why would anybody advance a non-faithful person? If you want favor at your job, you want favor in your life, be faithful to God all the time. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Watch this. Paul, uh, Felix, verse 22, excuse me, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, like he was familiar with Christianity. He puts off the accusers. I love this. He like waves them away. And he goes, when Lysias the tribune comes, then I'll decide your case. In other words, get out of my face. And then he looks at Paul and he gives orders to the centurion. Watch this favor on Paul's life. He gives orders to the centurion, the, the, the soldier, the, the officer who oversees 100 soldiers, that Paul should be kept in custody. And you think Paul would be like, are you kidding me? I gotta stay in prison? But he's in bougie custody now. This is club fed, y'all. Y'all hear what I'm saying? This ain't first century cave prison. Look, he said, hey, I wanna keep Paul in custody, but give him some liberties so that none of his friends should be prevented from attending his knee. In other words, he had like open door policy at prison. Why, if you go on and read Felix's wife, Drusilla, any pregnant ladies need a name for your kid? His wife, Drusilla, was familiar with Christianity and curious. So what Felix did is, hey, I'm gonna get you knuckleheads out of my face. Paul, I'm gonna put you in club fed. And my wife and I are gonna talk to you. For the next two years, he stayed in that prison to witness to Felix. Favor follows faithfulness. How many of you know when you're in favor, even in a prison, that's nice. You get an extra roll of toilet paper. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like you get (laughs) favor. And favor's like always different no matter what. But listen, I just wanna encourage you, like Paul, stay faithful to God, stay faithful to our commandments, stay faithful to the testimony that we have that Christ is the only way and he's the Lord of my life and know that favor will follow that. He was mistreated by the religious leaders. He was mistreated by the Jews and the, the, the hitmen, but he was favored by secular government and the political leaders. That's the marriage of the church and politics is that we walk in favor with them. He was given special treatment, allowed visitors with no restrictions. His friends were able to visit. He got a free apartment 
out of favor from the governor. There's a pattern that we've seen among people in scripture who show character and faithfulness to God, how God favors them. Joseph, Daniel, David under King Saul. As you stay faithful to God, favor will follow you. I, I, I gotta be careful, I don't wanna make this a formula or somehow we can manipulate God, okay? Please be careful not to go, go there with me. But some of you, if you're struggling with like, why can't I catch a break? Why aren't things happening for me? I would ask you, rather than like throw all shade on God, ask some questions about your faithfulness to God. Ask some questions about your faithfulness to people. Because listen, how, who doesn't wanna promote someone who's desirable and has integrity and honesty? Character and humility will make you a more promotable soldier. Showing honor and respect will always make more room for you than hustle, grind, and deception. Favor follows faithfulness. So stay close to God's heart. Okay, I gotta close the text because I honestly, uh, I'm out of time. But I wanna close with some thoughts about the Apostle Paul. And, and can you give me two more minutes? See, Paul didn't learn to stand strong for God when he was finally arrested. Paul had to learn to stand strong for God when he was walking free. Paul didn't learn character once he was under pressure. Paul learned character in his devotion life to the Lord years before the pressure hit. Paul was able to be this kind of man under pressure because of the life he built with God years before all of this happened. So who he was before coming into this season is what prepared him to endure these hard times. As I've said in the message, part of being a person who stands strong in difficult times is a person that you're not gonna let others decide your devotion. It's you're gonna be a person who is gonna live right because it's easy to defend a life lived right. And we're gonna let favor follow our faithfulness to God. But let's come back to the big story of Paul's life. There were five key markers in his life that we talked about as a sermon team this week that I just wanna show you, put it on one screen and leave you with and ask you to let these be markers in your life as well. Because these will be things that help you stand strong for God in tough times. Some markers in Paul's life. These were his and I think they should be yours as well. Paul had a life-changing encounter with God. He didn't just have an encounter with religion. He didn't just have an encounter with a church or get a girlfriend that drug him to church. Paul had a moment where God said, I'm all in with you and I want you to be all in with me. When's the last time you reflected on the goodness of God to save you, to change you, to transform your life forever? I can always go back to the night that God saved me for the rest of eternity. And I say, man, God, you were so good to me. I will give all of myself to you. I want every one of you, if you've not reflected on it recently, or if you've not really thanked the Lord for that recently, maybe you grew up in church and you've been in, you were chewing on the back of pews. Listen, that is the favor of God that you've had that experience in your life. But Paul had a life-changing encounter with God. He didn't have an encounter with God where he changed God to him. He had an encounter where God changed him forever. And I want you to remember those days and remember that time where God changed your life. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, y'all. Part of the struggle many of us have with living right before God and being faithful to God is we're trying to do it in our own strength. As soon as Paul said yes to Jesus in Acts chapter nine, it says his eyes were opened and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That is, he was empowered by God to live for God. He was desperate for more of the Holy Spirit of God. I wanna encourage you every day, plead with the Lord, baptize me again, fill me today, Lord, empower me today that I may live a life on fire for Jesus. In Ephesians five, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit of God every day. That's God's gift for you. Jesus said, it's the promise of God for you that you would have the spirit of God on the inside of you. Please don't try to live a Christian life by your own strength. Live it by the power of a spirit-filled life. 
Paul had a regular prayer life. Part of what built him for tough days is he had a regular prayer life. He knew the value of regular prayer. He spent time with God every day. He wrote about his daily prayers to churches he planted. He said, I never stop praying for you every day. He wrote to the Christians that we should pray without ceasing. That is, we have a prayerful attitude all the time. Let me ask the Lord about that. Let me talk to God on your coming and going, in your coming and going. Like commune with God and build intimacy and relationship with God. Listen to this, Paul prayed in his known language and he prayed in tongues. Shundai, get you some of that. I encourage all of you to be spirit-filled. I encourage all of you to seek the Lord for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I encourage you to pray a lot. Pray in the Spirit, pray in your known language. Pray, build a life of prayer. Quit making it about how you're praying and just build a life of prayer. Fourth, he had a strong community of faith. Paul may may have been a strong leader, but he wasn't a lone ranger. He had brothers in the faith like Barnabas and Silas. He had sons in the faith like Timothy and Titus. He had spiritual fathers like James and Peter. Paul was committed to the body of Christ. He went to church. As soon as he got to Jerusalem, his first meeting was with the elders of the church to check in and submit to their leadership. He was constantly discipling people, constantly devoted. Listen, you and I, if we're gonna survive tough times, it's not your squad of sinners, it's your family of saints that are gonna walk you through that. You need a small group. You need to be faithful to church. You need to be faithful in getting around the community of faith. Finally, Paul just decided my whole life is deeply devoted to Jesus. I'm all in. I'm all in. We pray it every week here, but do you say it every day? God, I'm all in. I'm all yours. Paul had this attitude. For me to live is to live for Jesus. To die is to be with Jesus. Paul had this attitude. Whatever happens, live in a way that honors the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was just all in devoted. Part of how you and I are gonna survive difficult days is this. Don't let anyone decide your devotion. Whatever the first point of the message was, and the third point, and then all of this points. Don't you hate when your memory slips on you a little bit? That's, this was key to becoming the man that we read about in Acts 24, who could survive standing strong in tough times. And this is God's desire for you, to be all in with Jesus, to be filled with the Spirit, to be prayerful, to be in community, to live a life fully devoted to Jesus. Not a perfect life, a devoted life. Are y'all hearing me, everybody? Can we stand around the room if you're able? Come on and watching and at our awesome P location. I wanna lead us in a moment of prayer. We're out of time and I know that uh, this is a message that you'll sit with and ruminate on over the next couple days. But I wanna lead us in a time of prayer if you can hold off leaving before we pray. Come on, everybody in the room, would you just open your hands to the Lord and pray with me? God, I believe in Jesus Christ, that he died for my sin, gave his life, that I can have eternal life. God, I receive the infilling, the baptism, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to lead my life, to guide my life, every decision and every day. Say, God, I'm all in to the glory of Jesus Christ. I'm all yours in Jesus' name. Say, fill me, use me. Now, if you have not asked for God's forgiveness, I wanna invite you right now. Ask for the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Come on, say, God, I confess my sins. I ask you to forgive me to cleanse me of all unrighteousness, to set my life on a new trajectory. Say, God, I repent. I turn from a life of sin and I turn to you. I'm all yours, even if I have to go alone. I'm all yours in Jesus' name. Help me, God, to stand strong for you in difficult times for the rest of my life.